Hello and welcome to this Owl Explains Hootenanny, our podcast series where you can wise up on blockchain and Web3 as we talk to the people seeking to build a better internet. Owl Explains is powered by Avalabs, a blockchain software company and participant in the Avalanche ecosystem. My name is Silvia Sanchez, project manager of Owl Explains, and with that, I'll hand it over to today's amazing speakers. All right, welcome back to another uh, episode here of the Owl Explains Hootenanny. We are excited today to have uh, our guest, Congressman Mike Flood, joining us from Nebraska number one. I think that's right, right? The first district. So we're excited to have uh, Congressman on with us today. Thank you so much taking time in between votes to jump on the podcast with us. My pleasure to be here. Thank you so much for inviting me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we uh, are our uh, chairman and CEO. He uh, spoke before before Congress, before the House Financial Services Committee, gave a great testimony on, on uh, you know, sort of the, the state of the state. Um, and we've heard, of course, uh, various uh, reports on sort of where crypto is today. We know that uh, FIT 21 is, is in the works, but how would you sort of capture or, or, or summarize for us just the state of crypto regulations in the United States, where, where they stand at the moment? Well, sadly, you know, America is an innovator. We are known for being out front, especially in technology. And look at the wealth we've created in the United States since Web 1.0, Web 2.0. Uh, we're at a spot now where the world's looking to the United States for leadership. Uh, we have the world's reserve currency for a reason. And uh, I am very proud that the House Financial Services Committee has taken the steps that we have, uh, specifically with the FIT 21 digital assets legislation. You know, after the SVB collapse and the banking crisis uh, earlier this year, I think there were a lot of people that doubted whether the House Financial Services Committee would be able to produce such a thoughtful piece of legislation. But that's exactly what we've done. Uh, we've, we've found a way to provide pathways for digital asset issuers and exchanges. So um, that bell you hear in the background is just the voting system reminding us that they're about to take a recess. So no problem. there are no nuclear weapons being <laughs> But, uh, you no know, you know when, I, when I think about our digital assets legislation, the bill includes language that would undo the disastrous staff accounting bulletin 121. I had no idea how much time we would spend fighting this ridiculous effort from uh, the SEC. Uh, this is an issue that I've taken up personally. I'm gonna be introducing a standalone bill on this issue in the coming days with bipartisan support, but that's just one example of what this comprehensive, thoughtful legislation does uh, with, with an issue like Staff Accounting Bolton 121. Well, we're talking about Staff Accounting Bolton 121, which uh, the SEC under Gary Gensler issued. It basically took this idea of custody. You know, uh, we have some of the, the largest banks in the United States or in the world that are headquartered here in our country. And it basically said that if you hold one of these digital assets, you're going to have to hold it on balance sheet. On balance sheet. Now, think about that. That totally disturbs the entire construct of the of the concept of custody uh, banks when you put your money in a bank they hold it as a custodian for you and what that demonstrated to me is that the sec was so focused 
on trying to put the brakes on this industry, that they were willing to do something as reckless as Staff Accounting Bulletin 121. And it, it doesn't matter who in the industry is looking at this. The SEC is not a bank regulator. That is not their mission. They're outside of their lane. And they've made a decision here with this SOB 121 uh, that I think makes the case that Congress absolutely needs to act. And, and with this FIT 121 or 21 language, um, what, what I, you know, we start as simple as what is a security and what is a commodity? And that sounds simple. I have to credit the committee staff and Chairman McHenry and uh, subcommittee chairman French Hill. They have put an enormous amount of work into this, setting up kind of the basics for an exchange. What is custody? Uh, giving the CFTC spot market authority. I mean, these, there's a lot of wrestling here between two legislative committees, ag and, and financial services, and all of this work has been done. And so um, I'm hopeful that the Senate sees what we've been able to produce as a work product on a bipartisan basis, and we can make progress this Congress. Right. No, I mean, that would be uh, enormously helpful, I think, for the entire industry. Um, there's, there's obviously uh, some pent-up pressure there. Now, uh, but besides the work that you're doing in Washington, you, you also have been uh, active in turning ne Nebraska from a corn state into a coin state, perhaps. <laughs> um, and, uh, and you have uh, hosted what, what has been called the flyover uh, fintech, right? Fintech flyover. There we go. And, um, and uh, we were, you know, as, as a company, privileged to, to participate and, and be there with you. But would love to just get some of the highlights that you felt like came out of that. And, and what is your vision there of, of what, what you're trying to do in your own district? Well, thank you for that. It was absolutely wonderful. We uh, were lucky to have Ava's uh, Lydia Chu on our panel, uh, the promise and potential of blockchain. She did a wonderful job. Uh, you know, I'm a lifelong Nebraskan. Uh, Warren Buffett, thanks to him in the 60s, we started accumulating insurance companies. And now we're one of the largest states in the nation with 110 dialed uh, domiciled insurance companies. And we have a very robust financial services economy right here in the middle of the nation. And as a member of the Nebraska legislature's uh, banking committee, I was successful in getting um, our state legislature and governor to adopt rules that let Nebraska be the second state in the nation to uh, have state chartered banks take custody of digital assets. And um, for me, I see this as an opportunity to grow and diversify our economy. We have these exceptionally smart farm kids that are raised all over the state. Some are schooled in, you know, in small schools where they excel beyond belief, others in our larger communities. Uh, but we want to attract as many of those folks to stay in Nebraska as possible. And if you walk into the business school at the University of Nebraska, you're going to find a bunch of 20-year-olds that are very invested in the idea of digital assets. They are all about blockchain. They're thinking about crypto. They're thinking about stable coins. Uh, they're thinking about payment systems and, and uh, how to move money around the world. And so FinTech Flyover for me was an opportunity to showcase the industry, uh, not just uh, introduce students from Nebraska to it, but introduce folks from Robinhood and all these other companies uh, to the magic that happens in the middle of the country in a town like Lincoln, Nebraska. And we had over 250 attendees, speakers, congressional staff, French Hill was a keynote. Uh, Warren Davidson led a panel. I led a panel. For me personally, I love showing off Lincoln and the Silicon Prairie as a great place to live, work, and do business. And, you know, there's a lot of opportunity 
in the middle of America that people don't think exists. They think it's all in San Jose and, and Austin and Boston. Not true. Not true. There's a reason Warren Buffett lives in Nebraska. That's great. That's great. It was a, I've only heard great, uh, great things. So it's very positive. And not just from internally, but also, you know, across the industry. I mean, as as you were sort of scanning headlines throughout the day and, you know, in the following weeks, it, it seemed to uh, generate quite a decent amount of uh, coverage and press and things like that. So uh, congratulations on that. And thank you for, for, for doing that work. You have also been pretty vocal on stable coins um, and, and have, have talked um, much about that, that perhaps this stable coin legislation is at a crossroads, I think was the word that, that you used. Would you just help us understand how you see stable coins? What is their potential role in our economy and what's the right way to regulate them? Well, you know, this is really how I got into the entire issue. Um, Stable coins are the digital asset that bankers and traditional fiat currency folks understand the best because $1 equals one stable coin. And the reality is that um, in the next 20 years, if America is not in stable coins, another country will be, and maybe one that's not as friendly to us. And that stable coin will become the world's reserve currency. And we as Americans need to be the world reserve currency uh, so that we know who the nefarious are, actors are in third world countries that are, that are exchanging money for arms or whatever else. Uh, for me, the world is looking to the United States for leadership here. And we have a situation where uh, the SEC has pretty much, for whatever reason, become the de facto authority speaking for the United States government. And they have no idea, in my opinion, how badly we are missing out on the world stage when the United Kingdom, the UAE, and all these other countries, I just visited a, a bunch of Indo-Pacific countries, and they tell me we're waiting for the U.S. government to act. Um, and it's as simple as the word custody, you know, like a custodian. We, you know, think about the Mellon Bank. Think about how they have held, you know, $27 trillion in assets, you know, safely for the world economy. They need these rules to be able to protect uh, people's assets and people, whether, whether Gary Gensler believes it or not, SE, uh, stable coins are here. They're here to stay and they're not going away. And so I'm hopeful that the stablecoin bill, which has actually been the one I've worked on the most, uh, gets across the finish line. And I think it's a matter of when, not when, but uh, in that, not how, uh, but when it's going to get done because it has to get done. Um, and this, and people will move offshore and we will lose our, influence over something that really matters. And that's what's so frustrating. I, I, I totally understand that frustration. Also, I think what exacerbates that frustration is that the, the reserve currency of the world, of course, is the dollar. And, and the majority of stable coins are backed by USD. And so what, what we could see is, is a massive offshoring of stable coins and U.S. dollars <laughs> uh, away from American banks and out of the American financial system, 
right? I mean, is it, do, do you see this in, in not only an economic impact, but also perhaps a national security impact? I, I appreciate you bringing it up because as opposed to some of my other committee members, I'm probably more interested on the national security side than almost anyone else. Mm. Uh, you know, one of my colleagues, uh, Congressman Warren Davidson, yeah, he's he's in the DeFi lane and then some, which yeah. I love about him because he sees the potential of where this can go. I see the important national security implications to making sure the world's reserve currency remains a U.S. dollar. Uh, and I just got off of a, a trip with uh, Representative Stefanik. We went to Tokyo and Singapore and Thailand, and I had the opportunity to talk to the Minister of the Treasury uh, in Singapore, and they basically said, we're waiting for the United States to tell us where it's going to go. Like there are a lot of economies and, and countries in the world that are relying on our leadership. And I feel like we've been silent. And that that gives an opening to countries like China. Uh, that gives an opening to, you know, countries that aren't allies of the United States to start making moves. Um, we have an obligation to do this. And I think, in fact, if we don't, we will be harmed as a country. Right. What, what, where does, where, where do you think stable coins and, and the, the, the regulation, I mean, what, what is lacking at the moment in order to, to, to close the, the Delta that exists for, for companies who are issuing stable coins? Well, here's what I would say. I'm, I'm very encouraged by the fact that we had a bipartisan bill passed out of the House Financial Services Committee. That was very important to all of us. That was important to Chairman McHenry. And that was important to me as a member of the Digital Assets Subcommittee that that our proposal resonated with enough Democrats that this isn't a partisan situation because currency is not partisan. There's no Republican currency or Democrat currency. It is a just straight out uh, American issue that has to be resolved. For me, the, the next and most important step is to see progress in the U.S. Senate. And I think the House Financial Services Committee and our efforts with our members uh, ha has lent itself to getting something done. I'm very hopeful that our colleagues in the Senate on both sides of the aisle see the need uh, to take some serious steps here. And regardless of what they can agree on, let's just hope they can agree on something. Let's sit down at the table between the two houses and put something together. I think it's in all of our interests to get there. We may not get everything we want on the House side. Uh, the Senate certainly maybe won't get everything it wants, but let's mo let's move on the basics. It reminds me of like 1995. The Internet is brand new. U.S. Senator from Nebraska, Jim Exon, passes a bill that makes it a crime to use an electronic device to spread images of child pornography on the Internet. That was such a basic first step, but it staked out a role for the United States in what's acceptable and what's not. We're talking about taking basic steps here, not overdoing it, to, to make sure that we have a playing field that is fair and is safe for American consumers. So that's, I mean, we're not asking for the, the moon here. We're asking for just a basic set of base rules. When this uh, session started, I, I was, you know, sort of looking at it and saying to myself, crypto could be the one issue that that is bipartisan. <laughs> Everything seems to be polarized at this point. And yet I was thinking crypto could be. And then 
as the session has unfolded, as committee hearings have unfolded, it seems that it, it's become much more of a partisan issue. Do you do you feel that internally, or is that just something that is being portrayed externally? And and if so, it's what 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 can be done from from the industry side to to help support these these movements in Congress? Well, you know, I noticed that a lot of the members that are on the Democratic side that are with the House Republicans are younger. Um, they come from states like New York. New York has a significant um, say in financial services, and they have a really capable Department of Financial Services. Uh, a lot of times I notice that members that are of more mature age uh, and they've lived their entire life in the fiat currency world are more resistant to these kinds of changes. And um, so I don't see it as a partisan issue. I see it as a comfort issue uh, with the with the issue itself. And I don't want to in any way uh, depreciate the concerns of a more mature member of Congress as it relates to these, uh, these issues. Um, I think that's one of our biggest hurdles in the Senate that we need to just continue to educate, educate, educate. And, you know, the best, the best medicine for this issue is to send a 20 year old business student from a, a Senator or Congressman state in to see the member and watch their face light up with all the opportunities that digital assets present for the future and wealth creation in the United States. And I think for me, that's what got me very excited about this is that this new generation of folks that have grown up with Bitcoin in existence their entire lives are grasping this like a five-year-old takes to skiing. You know, If you start skiing at age 48, you are very worried and nervous about hurting yourself. When you're five, <laughs> you're a little bit more, you're, you're more fearless, but you also see what everything can be. And so I think it's a matter of education um, and we have to we have to do it in such a way that we inspire people to come with us and not give them a thousand more reasons to be against us, which means starting with the basics. Um, you know, I'm, I'm reading a book right now about the election of 1896. And, you know, the big issue then was, should we have a gold backed uh, currency or a, a silver backed currency or a bimetallic, you know, silver and gold currency. And th these were the issues they fought for 20 years about in the late 1800s. So much so that it really determined who the nominees were in the Democratic Republican Party back in 1896. And Williams Jennings Bryan, you know, he was a silver man and McKinley was kind of a, a gold and a silver guy. He kind of straddled the fence on that. Uh, so this isn't the first time we've had these kinds of debates. Uh, you know, I don't want to liken digital assets to silverback currency, but it is important. And these are decisions that are going to last a long time. Um, and anything that's really important is never very easy to solve. So I am hopeful we can make basic progress this Congress. And I would say to the people listening to this, there are a lot of people like me in Congress that see a pathway here that is, that is going to make America the world leader. Uh, we just have to, we just have to educate folks, especially in the Senate about why this is a priority. Right. That is a, um, that's a, Perfect, I think, perfect place for us to uh, to call it a wrap here. That was uh, uh, really well said. And 
there is um, without a doubt a lot of work uh, yet to be done. And uh, of course, the pressure returns back to the Senate. And so we will um, be doing our best to stay, uh, stay in touch with that. But uh, Congressman, thank you so much for your generous time today. Thank you for supporting this industry, for seeing the potential of it and making it a, a, a important part of your work. We, um, we as an industry, really, we, we thank you for, for doing that. Well, my pleasure. And tell uh, Lydia we like seeing her in Lincoln. So Definitely. We will uh, we'll make sure she gets on a plane again and uh, finds her <laughs> way to Lincoln next year, for sure. All thank right. you so much, sir. You have a good day. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed our Hootenanny. Thank you for listening. For more hootful and hype-free resources, visit OwlExplains.com. There, you will find articles, quizzes, practical explainers, suggested reading materials, and lots more. Also, follow us on Twitter and LinkedIn to continue wising up on blockchain and Web3. That's all for now on Owl Explains. Until next time.